This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. in the scripture this morning it's from the new king james version uh, matthew 13 1 through 9 let us read it says on the same day jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea and great multitudes were gathered together to him so he got into the boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore then he spoke many things to them in parables saying behold a sower went out to sow And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on the stony places, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up, because they had no depth of the earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some 30, and he who has ears, let him hear. There's another version, the New Living Translation, that says a little bit different. It says, later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat, and then he sat and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they did not have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns and grew up and choked the tender plants. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and a hundred times as much that has been planted. And he says, anyone with ears to hear, they should listen and understand. Many of you may be thinking, what is a parable? Webster defines it as a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. And so oftentimes when we think of parables, we think of um, the Good Samaritan, or we think of the sower and the seed. But one of the things that's common to us would be the little boy who cried wolf. Many, you know the story? The little boy keeps crying wolf because he thinks it's funny. Well, ultimately, he keeps crying wolf, and the wolf shows up, and nobody's there to save him. And that was meant to teach the boy or children not to lie. Our particular parable today has three parts. It has the sower, the seeds, and the soil. And I want to talk to you not only the meaning of this parable, but how we can, as a church and individuals, bring it into a practical application for us. Number one, our sower or the farmer. Um, I try to look up some fun facts about farmers, and either they've paid Google not to list any, or there's just no fun facts about farmers. Um, if you Google it yourself, you will find that there is, there's, it's not a lot of like, there's nothing I can tell you that's really going to get your goat, but. Something that I realized while trying to do that is farmers are special. 
farmers are important. Without farmers, uh, we're not going to eat. We, I think of a farmer, I think of corn, green beans. I don't really eat that anyway, but you also have farmers that do cattle and sheep and pigs, and I eat all that stuff, and so they're important on both spectrums. If you're not a vegetable person, fruits, meat, whatever have you, farmers are important. Farming is it's a way of life. It's not something that everybody does, and I think that might be part of the reason why Google doesn't list interesting and fun things about it because farming is not easy. Farming is one of the more underappreciated jobs. It's not something to where you get mad today because something didn't work out or your equipment broke down or whatever didn't work out for you. It's raining or it's not raining. You can't put in your two-week notice. You can, but your livelihood's gone and there's a lot of people that are dependent on you. There are many farmers who it's a generational thing. It's a thing of my dad did it, so I'm going to do it, so I'm going to do it. And today that's going to kind of relate to us because we're the farmer, amen. And so a lot of us, we come to church just because other generations do it, but a lot of us have come because somebody has helped us. Every farmer relies on precision of when to plant, when to harvest, when to fertilize. And so everything a farmer does has very precision ideas and thoughts and practices. I don't know a professional farmer. Some of you may. Um, even though we live out towards uh, a lot of farmland, I don't know any that do it for a living. I do know a bunch of amateurs. <laughs> um, my dad is one. Uh, my father-in-law is one. He, he plants and he eats what he grows. Brother Tim has also planted some stuff, but what I realized was about three years ago, my dad decided he wanted to plant a garden where he lives now. He's done it multiple places where we lived over the years, but this particular one, he wanted to go all out. He wanted to grow everything he could grow because he had bought this property that had a lot of land, and so he planted as much as he could. Well, he's also a nurse, and so he's working 12-hour shifts, and when he would get off, he would spend day and night out there in his garden working it. So a farmer, most important, what they have invested is time. Amen? Our next part of our sower parable is the seed. There are a couple of fun facts about seeds. Samuel Ryder, the founder of the Golf's Ryder Cup, made his fortune selling packets of garden seeds. So if you're looking to make a fortune, um, never count it too late for little things like that. Second thing I found about the seeds was the world record for spitting a watermelon seed is 65 feet and four inches. So I got a pack of watermelon seeds and after service, we're gonna to try to break it. All right, <laughs> just see me, see me after, we'll, we'll set that up. There are three parts to a seed. There's the embryo, there's inside of it's the nutrients, and there's a seed coat. Every seed, I did not notice before looking it up, but every seed has what it needs to be a seed. It's got the plant that's going to turn into the plant. It's got food to nurture that seed until it's time to grow. And it has an outer shell that protects it. So to keep everything that's within it right where it should be. Seeds on the outside, external issues, they need uh, moisture, oxygen, and the right temperature to grow. Until those conditions are present, the seed will not grow. All seeds are ready internally. 
So every seed is going to be the same, except out externally they have certain things they need. The soil is a third part of what we're going to talk about today. And I have a couple of slides of what we're going to go through. Number one is the wayside. We've all seen this somewhere. Most of the time you see it from a neighborhood to a Walmart because people from the Walmart walk back and forth to the neighborhood. And what it is is it's a path that's been compacted and what's there is dead. There's stuff that can grow around it, but that wayside path is so tight. There's something that was grown there before. In this picture you can see obviously there was probably a bunch of grass and just fertile greens that were growing, but back and forth, back and forth, something has stomped it out and killed it. Our second one is our stony soil. Isn't that beautiful? It's a little bit kind of similar to the wayside. Um, it may be a little bit more fertile, but something can't grow in there as much. There's a lot of debris in there, a lot of things. If you tried to walk kind of barefooted on that, it's going to hurt you. Our next one is our thorny. How many of you know what this picture is? You might not because they don't have no fruit on it, but this is a, there you go, it's a blackberry bush. So the blackberry bush, when it's got the blackberries on it, it's beautiful. But if you ever pick blackberries, it's a little bit of a, of a pain saker because there's thorns all over it. The thorns choke out everything. When I've seen blackberry bushes grow, usually it's only blackberry bushes because they're so dominant where they are, especially when they grow in the wild. And our last one is our good soil. Isn't that nice? That was my hand this morning. I went out and Rebecca took the picture. But anyway, that just looks like good soil. A couple worms crawling through there, little bit of things that, you know, like little boys like to play with, get all dirty. Their mama's got to give them a bath. Now that we've kind of covered each part of this parable, we want to kind of twist it and see how it can relate to us as we try to be the church and how we try to plant seeds to reap a harvest. First, we're going to look at the character of the sower or the farmer. A farmer's job is outside. The scripture tells us that the sower went out to sow, and ultimately, we are the church. We're the sowers. We're the farmers. We have to go out. There's a good thing to come together. When we come together, it's special, it's powerful. This morning, our time of prayer, those things you don't just get outside the church. You can, but that's the importance of coming here. Jesus says in Matthew 28, he says, as much as the Great Commission, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of the earth. It's important that we understand as the farmer, we're not going to reap a harvest inside the church. We're not going to be able to, this harvest has been, been reaped. We are all seeds that have grown into faithful Christians and we can't do that. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, Farmers who wait for the perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. It's our job to be in the world sowing seed of the gospel. Just like the farmer, we have a lifelong commitment. We, 
we can't decide to just turn in, throw in the towel. There's too much at, sa- at stake for us to quit being a farmer. Every day, in small acts of devotion, the farmer does his job. He gets up early in the morning to do his task in the morning. He's faithful. He has to get up to lay the groundwork. It's not something that that picture that we saw with the, the fresh soil, that, the soil doesn't just appear like that. That's, that's something that he works for. Farmers have to pay attention to the weather. Um, there's a farmer's almanac, and to be honest with you, I don't know what a farmer's almanac is, but uh, from what I believe, just me being me, is that the farmer's almanac has data in it that the farmers look to for previous years of like a consistency of how they can how they're going to plant how they're going to sow speaking with the amateurs that i know uh my dad and brother tim even on the back of some of the seeds pack they tell you when to plant the seed because of the the conditions that's going to help it grow our next one is the composition of the seed or the gospel for a farmer the life of the is found in the little seed each seed contains the materials for transformation. A seed, when you look at them, for the most part, they're big, they're small, they're little. Um, I read something that said 200 carrot seeds can fit in a teaspoon. And so you never know what the seed's gonna hold, but you know that the seed's gonna grow, the seed's gonna come into a bush, a tree, a fruit, a vegetable, whatever have you. For us, the seed is the gospel. We must be consistent and intentional on spreading the gospel. We can't do like it said in Ecclesiastes where we hold our satchel of seeds and they just, they rot or they get crushed, they get destroyed. The next one is the cultivation of the soil or the heart. Jesus makes it clear that the receptiveness of the human heart is represented by the different types of soil. The effectiveness of the seed depends on the soil, but the seed is always the seed. Amen? The soil is that external part that we talked about earlier that it is what is vital to making the seed grow. The seed never changes. The seed always has what it needs to grow internally. It always has the plant inside of it and always has the protective barrier. Our first soil is the wayside. The wayside could be represented as the calloused heart. When we think about planting seeds, we envision a farmer plowing the soil, using the tool to break the ground. While plowing happened, the farmer typically just carried a satchel, as we saw in the video, and he scattered the seed, because back then they didn't necessarily have all the tools as our current farmers do that John Deere provides that'll sit there and plow it up and drop the seed for you. And so oftentimes they would take a handful of seeds and cast them, and where they would fall, they would grow. The farmer in our first one, when he threw that out on the wayside, it says the birds came and devoured it. And I imagine when you see a bird come and devour, first of all, in the, the physical part of it, the world, seed costed money. That was, that was something the farmer ha- had invested in. And to see a bird just come and eat it kind of upsets you, makes you mad. In the spiritual realm of it, us casting seeds, we want to see those seeds take root. And whenever we see the things of this world that kind of mess them up from growing, we get a little upset. Jesus addresses 
that those that are never able to internalize the gospel because it's snatched away by the evil one, also known as the birds, these are people who never have the opportunity to make a decision about the gospel. The hearts are never softened through reflection, conviction, or repentance. So when the gospel is presented to them, they're too focused on material things. They're too focused on, could be a career opportunity, it could be, you know, trying to build wealth, could be whatever has their attention. And today I kind of want to tell you that our soils, maybe, of course, they're people that we know. And it's one of the things of the person that has that calloused heart. It could be just someone that we see every day, someone that all it takes is, it could be the person in the office that we never talk to. They might be too busy. They might be too focused to not have any friends. Oftentimes, the people that you see that are focused on the career, they're focused on building wealth, they don't have any friends. You ask them, you say, you know, what are you doing tonight? Well, I'm, I'm going home. They don't have anybody that's going to help them break up that calloused heart. And kind of want to challenge each one of these different souls today as we reflect on them to to look into your everyday life to see who it is that we may know that has these kind of conditions. So the person with the calloused heart, it might just be something that we need to befriend, someone that doesn't have that opportunity to even hear the gospel because they're so focused on life. Our second one is the stony or conflicted heart. It said plowing allows the farmer to turn over the soil and remove the rocks, but even all of it can't be pulled out. Jesus promises in John 16:33 that in, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. A lot of times the people with the stony heart, they're experiencing pain and resistance. Maybe it's because they believe that following Jesus is going to make them give up the life that they have now. Maybe it's something that they're carrying. When I thought about the stony heart, I thought about one stone might be a little bit. Two stones, okay, now you're adding some weight. Maybe the person with the stony heart is carrying a burden. And so we, as the farmer, that, that soil, I'm not going to say that nothing could be planted there, because when you look in Arizona, you see cactuses growing in the middle of the desert. So you can't tell me that in the, the parable when we read it. It's just like, okay, we got the wayside, we've got the stony, we've got the, the thorny. And typically when you hear that, you think, okay, well, the only way that someone's going to take the gospel is they've got to have their heart prepared right. But how do they do that? How is someone going to get their heart prepared right? Why isn't us, the farmer, that is helping to do that? If the stony person is carrying such a burden, why aren't we the ones that are helping take some of that burden off? Why aren't we talking to them? Why aren't we trying to help them work through some of the issues that they're carrying? When they pray for something, does it get answered? Oftentimes, people that had these burdens or had that calloused, conflicted heart, maybe they've prayed for something. Maybe they prayed for healing that never happened, but they don't understand that healing did happen, maybe just not on this earth. And so we have to help them to get through such sor sorrow and situations. Our next one is the thorny 
or the crowded heart. Did you know that soil is incredibly de deceptive? When the farmer does his best to try to prepare it, weeds will come and take over. Sister Cor says amen. Sister Cor and Brother Sam are two of the farmers that plant beautiful gardens. But like I showed the picture of our beautiful blackberry bush, if you ever have tried to get into that, it's going to hurt. I've seen some beautiful blackberry bushes where it looks like the best ones are always on the inside, but it's protected by all these thorns. That's kind of the situation with our thorny or crowded heart. The weeds grow up, and they suck the moisture out of the crop. So in order for that blackberry bush to flourish, it has to take all the nutrients around it that are available. Oftentimes underneath them, it's, it's sandy soil or whatever have you that all that's growing is, is the blackberry bush. You don't weed once. You hear that? You don't weed once. When someone has this crowded heart, they're going to have things of this world that they keep trying to pluck out. And they might get tired of it. If you've ever weeded, you get tired of weeding. You know why? Because you have to stoop down and you have to get the weed out. My, uh, my cousins have sand spurs in their yard, and they basically don't try to walk around. They have a, a certain pair of shoes that they wear in the yard because when they come back, they know they're going to be tracking in sand spurs. And they talked about trying to get rid of them, but it's hard to get rid of pestering and stubborn weeds. So with our person with a thorny heart, what is it that is bothering them? What is it that has got them in such a situation where they're hurting. You see that? That's beautiful bush. There's beautiful people. So do we, do we just stop? Do we say, oh, well, I don't, I don't want to get hurt. Oftentimes, weeding hurts. Your back hurts, whatever have you. Your hands hurt from doing it. But it's worth it. In the end, the harvest that you get from preparing that soil to where something will grow, not necessarily get rid of this because it is producing fruit, but in the case of the weeds that are in people's lives, like I said before, they're not, they don't know how to get rid of them. If, that's, if that was the case, then all we'd have to do is I'd go up to Rebecca if she had all these weeds in her life, and I'd say, Jesus loves you, and he saved the world, and he's going to save you, amen, and she's saved. Is that how it works? No. If that was all that it took, this world would be a much better place be a lot easier on us witnessing the people making disciples would be we wouldn't I, I wouldn't be talking to you about it <laughs> because it's it's that it's that tough then that's part of what I'm trying to say is this is serious this is something that the parable is complex in a sense because there's so many different moving parts of it and there's different ways that we can look at it but we have to understand that even as the farmer, the farmer is probably the hardest working person that you'll meet. The farmer is also one of the easiest persons that you could probably approach because they, they've experienced life in different ways. And so when we are truly being the farmer that we should be, we should be approachable for these people that have the, the weeds in their life. Our good ground 
the converted heart. Sometimes our seeds fall on soil with just the right nutrients, pH balance, fertilizer. There's been, you know, all kinds of compost dropped on it and different things like that. The seed roots take hold, beautiful plant grows, produces fruit. Jesus says that it produces a crop yielding 160 and 30 times. But one thing to remember that the seed is the fruit. What's our fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The good ground, the person hears the word, allows it to sink in, genuinely saved. More fruit, healthy fruit produces, and it impacts the environment around it. When people see the fruit in people's lives, the more receptive they are to see the fruit in the gospel. The thing that's nice about fruit or any kind of crop that grows is God designed it. And when he does it, he does it with intention. The fruit contains more seeds. And whether those more seeds do, they continue to grow more fruit. God doesn't, God doesn't just stop. He wants us to multiply. Like pastors have been saying about the, the Garden of Eden, that it was meant to be this beautiful place to flourish. God created man. He created a uh, man to have a partner, and he wanted things to multiply. But he wanted to multiply in his image. And unfortunately, that image was broke a little bit. And so now you've got the wayside. You've got the rocky, the stony. You've got the thorny. And it's our job as farmers to help kind of clear some of that up. It's not very often that a farmer <laughs> buys land, you know, just say that Justin wants to quit John Deere and take all of his equipment that he's acquired <laughs> over the years, and uh, he wants to start farming. He lives on 14 acres, and Justin's going to start growing tobacco because <laughs> it's, it's profitable, so of course he's got to make some money. But just if you've ever been to his house, he's got trees, he's got grass, he's got weeds, and what's he got to do? He's got to clear all that stuff out. My challenge to us, we have to become more aware of the soil. We have to be more intentional of what we have around us. There's a, a classic story. I don't know how classic it is because I never heard it, but you're going to hear it today, so it becomes an instant classic. It's about the farmer and the preacher. It says, there's a conversation between a farmer and a preacher. The story goes that the preacher was driving down a crunchy road when he came upon the most beautiful farm he'd ever seen in his lifetime, spent traveling rural roads. He could only compare it to a beautiful painting. It was by no means a new farm. But the house and the buildings were well-constructed and in perfect repair and paint. A garden around the house was filled with flowers and shrubs. A fine row of trees lined the side of the white gravel, gravel drive. The fields were beautiful and tilled, and a fine herd of fat dairy cattle grazed knee-deep in the pasture. The sight was so arresting, the preacher stopped to drink it all in. Could you imagine that? Something like Little House on the Prairie. 
Gunsmoke wasn't that nice. <laughs> there was one time, Paul's a story, that Chester decided he was going to become a farmer. And uh, he got all kinds of horrible stuff. He had a shack that just was horrible. But that is, the, if you've ever seen it, it's the complete opposite of what we're painting here. It says the... Um, the sight was so arresting, the preacher stopped to drink it all in. He had been raised on a farm himself, and he knew a great one when he saw it. It was then that he noticed the farmer on a tractor, hard at work, approaching the place where the preacher stood beside his car. When the farmer got closer, the preacher hailed him. The farmer stopped the tractor, idled down the engine, and then shouted a friendly, Hello! The preacher said to him, My good man, God has certainly blessed you with a magnificent farm. And then there was a pause as the farmer took off his cap and shifted in the tractor seat to take a look at his pride and joy. He then looked at the preacher and said, Yes, the Lord has blessed us, and we're grateful. But you should have seen this place when he had it all to himself. Well, the preacher looked at the strong, friendly features of the farmer for a moment, smiled, and with a wave of his hand, climbed back on his car and continued on his way. And he thought, that man has given me my next sermon. Every farmer along this road and this country has been blessed with the same land, pretty much, and the same opportunity. Each has worked his farm according to his nature. Every farm, every home, every family in the country is living a reflection of the people that dwell in it. He understood that the land was given was not the acres we buy for our farm or the lot in which we can build and buy a home, but rather the life we give it, what we do with what we have. Our lives are the plots of ground, and that's the land that we sow and from which we are obliged to reap the resulting harvest. And the way we've sown will be reflected in every department of our lives. Well, the farmer that preacher had just talked to would reap an abundant harvest. Not just when the time came for gathering his crops, but every time he looked around the place. Every time he returned from town to a white gravel drive and trees that lined it and the fine home and gardens that stood at the end. He was grateful for what he had, but he knew it was not given to us that makes a difference, but rather what we do with it. What we make and what we have. Yes, sir, the preacher thought as he smiled and drove the car along the road to town. He had his sermon for next Sunday, and it would be a good one. Each of us are farmers, and our lives are the plots of ground that have been given to us free and clear. If we're wise, we too will reap an abundant harvest, for the planting is left strictly to us. Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The thing is, there can never be a harvest if a seed's never planted. There can never be a crop yielded if the seed's never planted. You may be more skilled at cultivating a soil than I am. And so what I want to challenge is we have people that are in our place of work that we encounter every day. Uh, we go to Cracker Barrel, we see the same lady almost every time. And so you can't tell me that 
there's not people that are a constant in your life that don't need Jesus. The thing is, even with Brian's friend, if I was to go to try to help with that soil, oftentimes I would either be packing it tighter or making the, the thorns flourish because it doesn't want to hear that. Just being honest. A lot of people don't want to hear what we have to say unless they know us. I know I'm that way. Many people can tell you, even with diet programs and stuff like that, me and Brian and Pastor, we've been going to the gym, and I could tell you that I've been eating right, <laughs> but I haven't. <laughs> but what I have been doing is I've been consistently working out. And so come September would be a year that we've done it, and who knows what the transformation will be like. But I told Rebecca, I said, I was going to post something that says um, whatever, comment on the link, and I'll, I'll tell you my secret. Because everybody has a secret. But the thing is, they only want to hear it because they see the change, and they trust what I've got to say. And so I want us to be the farmer. The story of the, of the farmer, the sower and the seed, from when I've heard it, even up until now recently, was you, all you think about is people with the good soil, they're going to accept what I have to say. The other people, I'll wait for their soil to get to where what I have to say will take root. If that's the case, we'll never have a harvest because there's so many people that are hurting and so many people that need us to be Jesus to them. See, the seed is the gospel, and Jesus shared the gospel. So if we're called to be like Christ, then Jesus was a farmer. We're a farmer. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word today. Lord, we thank you for the different outlook of the parable that you give so many years ago. Lord, to try to teach a lesson to those that would hear. Lord, we thank you for your word in the sense of it's convicting and it draws our heart closer to you. It causes us to realize the things that we have in our life and the things that we need to share with others. Lord, as we finish out this time this morning with you, we just ask that you'll put on our heart, send us the individual, let the individual be curious about you in the sense, Lord, that we'll be able to share what you've given us in the sense that the gifts and the talents that you've enabled us with, that they'll just come out naturally. Lord, we know that some of us are, are shy, some of us are meek, and some of us aren't talkers and extroverted, but more introverted. But God, we just ask that you give us the opportunity to be who you've called us to be in the sense that you would have us to do it. Lord, we love you for your love, your mercy, and your grace that you give us each and every day. We thank you. Amen.